when we encounter the great contests of the Bible, those between good and evil, right and wrong, oppressor and oppressed, David versus Goliath, the oppressed Hebrews versus the Egyptian overlords, Moses versus Pharaoh, Jesus versus the Pharisees, we invariably identify with the good guys who are also invariably the underdogs. We are David, not Goliath, Peter, not Judas, John the Baptist, not Herod, the oppressed, not the oppressors. Erna Kim Hackett calls this Disney princess theology, bad theology. She goes on to write, for citizens of the most powerful country in the world, who enslaved both native and black people to see ourselves as the enslaved Hebrews and not Egypt, is a perfect example of Disney princess theology. And it means that as people in power, they have no lens for locating themselves rightly in scripture or society. It has made them blind and utterly ill-equipped to engage issues of power and injustice. It is, she concludes, some very weak Bible work. So what if we tried doing strong Bible work today? Bear with me, it won't be easy. What if in today's parable, the parable of the weeds among the wheat, what if we located ourselves not with the wheat, but with the weeds? I know this isn't any fun. It doesn't feel good. It's uncomfortable. No one wants to be weeds. Yet, in the interest of a relentlessly radical Jesus who preaches and teaches uncomfortable truths, what if we imagined ourselves the weeds, not the wheat, in today's parable, the chokers, not the choked, the invaders, not the invaded? Now, the parable tells of a real Middle Eastern weed the tear or darnel, which in its infancy looks to all the world like wheat, even to a trained eye. But it's not wheat. As it grows, it insinuates its roots around those of the wheat, so that by the time it reaches a mature stage, the stage when it is finally distinguishable from the wheat, it's too late to be weeded out. If you pull up the weeds, they will take the wheat with them. Moreover, if consumed, it's somewhat poisonous. In the end, the wheat and these noxious weeds can only be separated after they are harvested. In the meantime, they live and grow together in close proximity, often indistinguishable. The story is good news, great good news to the innocent, the blameless, the victims, to those denied justice, to those being choked, suffocated, and oppressed in this world. 
The good news is this. If not in this world where they suffer, then in the next, God will right wrongs. Justice will be served. Reward and punishment will be meted out. And the innocent, the oppressed, will have both their day and their reward. The parable is about the church. And it suggests that good and bad exist together, even in the church, even among us. And this, they cannot always be clearly distinguished. Augustine of Hippo, an early church father, an African father, whose life spanned the fourth and fifth centuries, Augustine of Hippo used a Latin phrase, corpus permixtum, to describe the church, corpus permixtum, meaning a mixed body, a combined, confused, mingled body of good and evil. He was admitting and attesting that the church isn't perfect. We're not perfect. We are not pure. We are tainted. Today, post-Freud, we would allow that each of us, each of us as individuals, is ourselves a corpus permixtum, mixtures of both good and evil, brave and cowardly, innocent and guilty, generous and miserly, blameless and compromised, good Samaritan and the one who walks by averting our gaze. We are imperfect. And this, let us say it, we are captive to our own self-interests. Now, I've been reading this parable of the weeds and the wheat in the light of a best-selling book by Ibram X. Kendry, How to Be an Anti-Racist. I suspect some of you have read it or are reading it. It's an all-church read. We are challenging the whole church to read it. It's been atop the New York Times bestseller list for a while now, and its subject, race, racism, anti-racism, privilege, equity, are at the heart and center of this painful, important season of national reckoning. Racism is a catastrophe. In his book, Kendry reflects on his experience as a young student, a student with, and I quote, a heightened sensitivity to the glares from white teachers who saw my black body not as a plant to be cultivated, but as a weed to be plucked out of their school and thrown into their prison. In the same 13th chapter of Matthew, Jesus says, if you are not with me, you are against me. Ibram Kendry makes a similar claim, a parallel claim. He says, if you are not an anti-racist, if you are not with and about anti-racism, then you're for it, or you're okay with it, or you're permitting it, which is the same thing. It's not enough to say, I'm not a racist. If I am not an anti-racist, am I not among the weeds? 
Since 1619, since the first Africans arrived on this soil, uprooted from home and family and country, captured, chained, transported, bought, sold. Since 1619, racism has been a catastrophe for people of color. If I am not actively working to fight this centuries-old wrong, am I not among the weeds, the invaders, the chokers, the asphyxiators, and oppressors? Now, I'm not going to leave us there, invader weeds with no hope of repentance, of redemption. Church, there is always hope. It is never too late to turn and repent. Theologian Frederick Beekner has written that the Christian gospel is always bad news before it's good news. The gospel is first the news that we are sinners. To use an old biblical word, we are sinners. It is the news that we are human, flawed, imperfect, complicit, self-oriented, a corpus per mixtum. However, and bear with me now, the Christian gospel is also always and relentlessly good news. It bears witness to the news that we are loved, loved anyway flawed yet cherished, guilty, yes, but also forgiven, bleeding to be sure, but also bled for. It is good news that in this parable, the weeds, the invasive choking intruder, isn't immediately plucked up and sent into hell. The weeds are given the gift of time. Time to repent, to turn to face into our own complicities as imperfect, impure, compromised human beings. Time to uncouple ourselves from Disney princess theology. Time to stop seeing ourselves as the good guys and the underdogs. Time to do hard, honest, strong biblical work. Time to locate ourselves rightly in scripture and society. Time to open our eyes and our hearts to engage issues of power and injustice. For such issues, these are close to the heart of God. This I believe. A great contest is upon us. A fierce battle is being waged now, a battle between right and wrong, good and evil, justice and oppression. It is being waged on our streets, in our courts, among our legislators, between mayors and police departments, in housing and mass incarceration. The battle is joined in one of the great contests of human history, and the soul of our nation is at stake. Racism is high and deep and broad and wide. It is huge, pervasive, invasive, mean, merciless, suffocating, noxious. If we are not actively battling it, we are enabling it, permitting it. Ready yourselves for battle. Be on the right side, on the side of God, of history, of justice. It is never too late. Redemption is always possible. O oh, people of God, why be weeds when we can be wheat? <laughs>